Welcome back to Mouthpiece. I am Savage Dan. I'm Paulie Malanaji. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe. And last week, the best comment was, can you think of any other case of avoidance that has lasted as long as it has, as it has for Andrade? Um, I say Andrade, it's Android, right? It yeah. is, uh, he was a world, cha world amateur champion, robbed in both the Olympics and the Pan Am Games, uh, turned pro with a trifecta of gold medals, um, could have been one of boxing's biggest stars, and, and basically, he's had about a dozen years of fighters avoiding him. Is, is he the most avoided fighter in the world? I will go as to say he might be the most avoided fighter that I've ever seen. I think Mike McCallum was pretty avoided as well in his day, but Mike, you know, Mike's prime was before my time. Uh, before what it seems to see Mike McCallum and what I've heard, it seems Mike McCallum was also avoided by the big guns because there were a lot of big-time players around that, that time as well, and McCallum wasn't able to get a lot of them until later in his career when he fought James Tony twice and he fought uh, Roy Jones, you know, and he was a little bit past his prime. But McCallum was an amazing fighter, and I think Andre has been an amazing fighter who doesn't get the credit he deserves. And he's got the pedigree, like, like uh, as is said in that question, you know, world amateur champion, um, uh, a complete uh, uh, world-class amateur, and have been a world-class pro. I mean, this guy has the foundation and the building blocks for everything. It's just he just needed to be given the opportunity, you know, and to – it really broke my heart to see him kind of have to be muzzled in that post-fight press conference and try to have to respectfully um, come at Canelo because otherwise he wouldn't have even been allowed into the press conference. And that's his own promoter doing that to him. You know, that's that's the shame. Because me, I would have went into the press conference and threw a bottle at Canelo or something. You know, like I would, <laughs> you know, like I would have got your attention you somehow. Have. You know, I've got I've got to do something to where you know you're gonna you're gonna I'm gonna make sure you fight me if I'm Demetrius Andre. You know, but do you think he point, got his point across either way? He, he he couldn't, you know, he didn't. He he got he got made to, you know, he he didn't have the option to say what he wanted to say. But Canelo had free option to 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 lyrically beat him however he wanted to beat him. You know, he mm -hmm. he could he could downplay his money him as, him as much as he wanted. He could insult him as bad as he wanted. And Demetrius, you could tell, had a muzzle and and he in which you could tell he was trying not to insult because clearly he was told not to insult because why why else would Demetrius not insult him back or at least not insult him to start with? You know, yeah. um. And I, and I kind of broke my heart, you know. Um, I, I think it's been a clear avoidance, uh, by, by really by everybody, not just Canelo with, when it comes to Demetrius Andre. And um, I think at this point, uh, I've said it uh, many other times, based on Andre's recent run of format, I don't even think he beats Canelo anymore. You know, I think Demetrius' best is behind him. Um, I still think he's, he's, he can be a top guy, but I think now he's not uh, as, as good as he was before. It would be nice to see him uh, be able to at least get a payday out of it, though, you know, because yeah. uh, he'd still be a, a nice matchup, you know, and a nice matchup, um, even though I don't see him winning the fight. Uh, and it would, it would be nice. But, of course, you know, the armchair, uh, the armchair guys, uh, the experts would say that, oh, see, he wasn't that good after all if he lose to Canelo. I think this guy was the best guy in and around those weight classes uh, and was just never given the chance to show it, and now he's not anymore. You see it sometimes anyway with, with fighters that perhaps get avoided for a certain period of time and then it almost seems like two buses come at once and they get, you know, he, he could potentially get the, the Golovkin and the Canelo fight within the space of 18 months. We, we hope yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, but, with an, yeah, but, an but at this point, he's not what he was anyway. I really don't think it's the same Demetrius Andre. I was at his last fight with William Williams and I really didn't see the same Demetrius Andre I've seen for years. You know, I mean, th this guy was absolutely dominant, you know, and, 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 and I don't see him that way anymore. Even though he pretty much dominated that fight, he still showed glimpses of, uh, of, 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 
you know, kind of having kinks in the armor now, you know, and so it's it's not the same guy, you know. Uh, when we talk about all-time avoided guys, we probably can't say have the conversation without saying Charlie Burley, you know. Charlie Burley was yeah. an amazing all-time boxer. We don't have a lot of footage of him, but um, he was a guy who beat several world champions, just not when they were world champions, you know, and he never, ever got a title shot in his career. Unbelievable. I never got up yeah. to fight for a world title, and that was in the one championship era, and I really believe that if uh, Demetrius Andre was in the world one world championship era, he'd be, we were in a one world championship era, I believe Demetrius would never get a title shot himself as well, you know, so I, it, 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 I think it's comparable, I think it's unfortunately it's comparable. Well, let's hope for Andre's sake that he, he manages to get a crack at these titles and, well, get, get at least a payday. Well, you know what it is. Um, right. Yeah, he's he's gotten the crack of the titles. He's been world champion. You know, we've we're in a four world world title era. He's been world champion multiple times, but still, the the, the fights don't come. Right. Let's have a look at the weekend's fights. Uh, Joshua Buatti beat Daniel Dos Santos, um, and looked very good doing it. He, it. I suppose Dos Santos is a little bit of an unknown quantity. A lot of the French fighters are because you, you don't really know what level they've been fighting at regardless yeah, of what their record of is but, but you know what the guys had a good record and i'll tell you this i've got a little bad the tidbit story because i'm friends with christian kerke the the matchmaker over at match uh, at matchroom you know uh he's uh, he's italian he's uh he's uh one of the owners of uh opie opie and uh the italian promotional company so i know i know christian for years you know for about two decades at least and so it's funny because we were talking about this fight and He's, the, you know, Eddie has hired him as the matchmaker for her matchroom. And so he's talking to the trainer for uh, Dos Santos and making the matchup, you know. And obviously, it's, it's, it's Boazzi's first fight with Virgil Hunter. They want to get a, a, an opponent where they can kind of see where the progression is going to be, where they need to work on and whatnot. You know, anytime you have your first fight with a new trainer, you kind of want to experiment something. So you don't want a crazy, crazy good opponent, right? But this guy was 15 and 0. And, and the trainer, when he's talking to the trainer manager, this guy's telling Christian, listen, I don't know if you really want to match your guy with my guy. My guy, my guy, my guy is going to beat your guy. You know, like, I, I don't want to put you in a bad situation. I know you just got that job at Matchroom, you know. And, uh, uh, and Christian was like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I, I asked to take options on him because they got me kind of nervous, you know, <laughs> to take options in case he beats Boatsy. He goes, he goes, then the, then the fight first round starts and uh, Frank Smith's looking at Christian like, why, why did you take options on this guy? <laughs> because he's totally, yeah. he's totally outclassed by Boatsy. But really, you can't under, it's funny because then afterwards he told me the trainer went up to him and was making excuses like, yeah, you know, maybe we underestimated Boatsy. My guy hasn't fought anybody yet of that level. And Christian was like, Dude, you're the one who big up your guy. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. You know, like, yeah, you're the one who yeah. sold your guy to me. Like, yo, this guy's gonna, you know, trying to scare me about him. I'm, you know, for me, it is what it is. You know, you got knocked out, and that's it. But a real, uh, real impressive performance by Boazzi. Yeah, he, he looked strong. He looked sharp, uh, and that that relationship with him and Virgil Hunter, you could see it almost forming immediately. I think it's going to keep blossoming. He's got tremendous, tremendous fundamentals. Uh, very, very good balance. Even when he's moving around the ring and, and putting you in pressure, he's cutting off the ring nicely. He's, his footwork, he's really, really brilliant to watch, even the subtle things he does. And, of course, uh, gets maximum leverage on his shots when he, when he wants to sit on them and, and, and put that maximum power because, you know, he's, he uses a lot of setup shots too. So he's one, the shots that he doesn't have the maximum leverage on, he's purposely not putting that leverage. But he's got the fundamental imbalance to where anytime he wants to really throw heavy, he 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 will throw heavy because his balance is perfectly set. And when he's throwing setup punches, he, it's designed to do that. He's got good speed, great fundamentals, great balance, great awareness in the ring of where he's at and what he needs to do to cut that gap. I mean, I, 
I can't say enough good things about Boati. He's just in a very tough weight class at the moment, you know, dominated by some major, major punchers. And he he himself is a major puncher. But um, yeah, I think, I really believe if this guy was in a weight class with some weaker world champions like we sometimes see, he would already be world champion. That's how good I think he is. But right now, you've got to kind of still take your time a little bit because you don't want to rush him too fast. Otherwise, you wind up in the situation where, say, like uh, they, they rushed David Hay a little bit too soon when he was yeah. really impressive, and then they got him beat uh, earlier in his career than he should have. You know, I think Boazzi has a really bright future, and if you don't rush it due to the weight class being uh, very top-heavy, uh, I, I think he can easily become a, a really a star of the generation. The natural selection in, in terms of going after a world title seems like it would be Bivol. Uh, I know Virgil Hunter said that it's, we're probably looking at between 12 and 18 months, but I've heard other talks that it could happen this winter. Um, yeah. How do you see it if it does it's, If it does happen? How do you see it happening if know. it happens you know, now, now, this year? You know, you know I think, I think Boazzi belongs in the ring with anybody in the world. Yeah. I don't necessarily think he beats everybody quite yet. He's got the potential to beat anybody. though. He does have that potential, but I, the way I see it is, you know, it doesn't need to be rushed, you know. He's he's he's, he's sure you can raise his level of opposition without going to the roof right away and going to the bitter beeves of the world, the beebles of the world. You know, you you can get there because Bebo man, Bebo is impressive, man. Bebo's intense. He can punch. He's impressive as well. That that is a, I mean, that for me as a fan, from a fan perspective, that is a really good fight. Yeah. But it might be just a little too soon for Watson, you know. Um, if you wait a year and a half, do you? Are you now past Bebo's best and there it's not as good of a fight anymore because now it's it's kind of favoring Boazzi in the way it would favor yeah. Bebo right now? Possibly. But if you find the timing on that fight the right way, I mean, I think it's it's a really, really good fight because these two guys are very are, are world-class in, 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 in every way. Let's call it next spring then, yeah? Guys, Eddie, get that made for next spring. Uh, also on the undercard, we had Laurent Richards who had a, a very impressive win against the Carolis who we knew was going to come and, and give it his all. He's always fit. He's always in shape. But Richards just seemed very, yeah, very Rich comfortable in the ring. Yeah, Richards was very, very comfortable in the ring, very, very comfortable with uh, the Carolis' ability to be a veteran and stay in the fight. You know, Carolis at this point is 36 years old. He hasn't fought in two years. So yeah. he's, he's not going to come out and be that active. But as a veteran, what he's trying to do is have that staying power because he realizes he's got a, a guy with not as much experience as him. So if I can stay in the fight and I can kind of press him and, and, and show the show the uh, the mental stress of, of me kind of staying in the fight and presenting myself in front of him and putting him in awkward positions, even if I'm not always letting go of my hands, some young guys will will kind of cave to that pressure. They'll panic. They'll 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 shoot too many punches and get themselves tired. You know, so you could see the Carolus was trying to use this veteran mentality in order to try to break Richards a little bit. But Richards <laughs> really performed like a stud. He really did. He like like a like a like like a like a real like prize racehorse you know he, he he his maneuvering was very well he moved he threw the punches he needed to punt, throw he threw flashy nice combinations and uh, at the end of the day he was comfortable in there the whole time so the Carolus was not able to make him uncomfortable and therefore the Carolus was not able to take advantage of anything so, yeah. so he basically just went 12 rounds and stayed sturdy like a veteran does but was not able to really challenge uh, riches in any way yeah very impressive performance then we have pretty much for me what was the fight of the night Jason Cunningham, Gamal Yafai, and we got an upset. It we, was a good we, we were wrong on that one. <laughs> Everyone was wrong. Um, three weeks notice. Uh, I don't know how he was already prepared to go the distance like that. 
seem to, Some. to to not even really have to do much other than make Gamal the five full uh Gamal your five full short on his shops. On yeah. his shots, sorry. Yeah. And any 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 credit to him for obviously being a gym rat because to take the fight on three weeks notice, I don't know that he had any other fights he was training for coming up, right? I mean he was just he just took the fight on three weeks notice and you can tell this guy's a real pro in the way he lives a lifestyle if that's the case because he come he came in and, and, and was ready to take on a world class guy like Yafai and beat a world class guy like Yafai on short notice. So what when you're a guy who lives the lifestyle, um good things will eventually come to you. You'll you, you it's, it's funny. Somebody told me one time, uh, uh, ex ex footballer Giovanni Savarese. Um, he played a little bit in England. Uh, I think he played at a Crystal Palace in Middlesbrough. But he was a Venezuelan international, mm. and, and and he and he <laughs> and he uh, he played also in the MLS. You know, he played. He had a he had a you know relatively long career, but uh, he was a Venezuelan international. And I remember he told me a story about something in his career. Basically, the moral of the story was. Luck comes to those who are always prepared to receive it. You know, some people say, "Oh, we, we're lucky. We're, we're, you know, you were lucky to get this." So, you, some, you luck is always part of the, of the success story, but it can only affect us in ways if we're prepared to receive it. And being prepared to receive it means always being prepared. And um, you can tell in this case, Cunningham had the stroke of luck of getting this call on three weeks' notice. Uh, big, big fight. But now, was he prepared to take advantage of the break? Had he not been in shape, maybe he would have still took it anyway for, for a little bit of money. Yeah. Or, or maybe he would have just got himself into shape just for the chance of opportunity at a, at a big fight. But nonetheless, he was prepared to fully take advantage of this stroke of luck, a stroke of brilliance that came in his way, and uh, he sure did that. So luck comes to those who are prepared for it, and, and Cunningham was a great example of that. A big win for him. It, it was a weird, a weird kind of tactic from Gamal Yafai. I've never really seen him take the front foot quite like that and kind of throw shots from the back of the room, full short every time. And it was it was effectively Cunningham doing the same thing for around eight rounds. He didn't have to change his tactics. He would wait for, for Gamal to, to, to go first and he would just get in between the shots and dropped him three times doing it. Yeah, and, and it was a little bit out of character for Yafai to do that. I, th I think um, possibly he thought that he had a guy on short notice, so maybe he's going to be tired. Maybe he can blow him out and look good. Maybe he wanted to make a statement, have a statement kind of win, you know, and, and really put the uh, other world-class guys in the weight class on notice, other champions on notice. But sometimes you can psych yourself out doing that. You know, you've always got to know one. That's not another thing somebody else once told me, another bit of advice that I was always I was given one time is you've got to know in the ring who you are. But you've also, more importantly, got to know when you're in the ring who you aren't. You know, yeah. so you've always got to st stay true to who you are, your style, and you've got to stay away from who you aren't because that can get you into problems. And it seems like your Yafai maybe have may have over or may have psyched himself out here. Yeah, uh, Alexander Jer was stopped by Tommy McCarthy. Some good body work by him, uh, and Solomon Dakers wins on his debut as well. I think he got taken the distance. Um, but he said he, he's prepared and wants to be a 12-round fighter, so he didn't want to display what we kind of have come to expect from heavyweights, which is get in there and blast people out in the, in the first couple of rounds. So it was good rounds for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you get the experience. Anytime you get 12 rounds or, or, or any amount of rounds, especially for a heavyweight, you know, a lot of heavyweights are, you know, they're, 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 a lot of heavyweights we notice do have uh, um, uh, conditioning problems. You know, you being that big and going that many rounds. T does tend to be a uh, problem for some guys, but so anytime you can get that, it's uh, it's cer certainly a solid experience. And McCarthy, uh, from his end, um, this guy this guy's tricky. He's crafty, man. You know, he keep keeps yeah. coming up with some solid wins and then upsetting people and uh, just uh, showing the showing his value 
Yeah. Um, like I said uh, last week, I, I know him from beating uh, Fabio Turki in Italy. You know, so uh, he, he upset the, uh, the 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 apple cart there as well. So I'm, I'm familiar with him and his craftiness, and he continues to show that. Also, Ellis Hopkins wins on her debut, and she becomes the first traveler, who is a female, obviously, uh, the first female traveler to turn pro, which is strange. Actually, yeah. I, I would have expected there to be more. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have known that. But a little fun tidbit and for a little fun fact. Congrats to her. Right, there was a couple of other good fights this weekend as well. Paulie, I know there's one that you want to touch on. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Figueroa and Luis Neri was a was a a really exciting fight, really good fight. Uh, yeah. Fought at very close quarters. Uh, both guys really going at it and exchanging very well the entire fight. Uh, it was ultimately ended by uh, Figueroa on a uh, body shot. Uh, he ended the fight on a body shot, and and I. It was really, really the kind of fight with combinations were flying from both guys and whatnot. But he, the, the finishing shot was really impressive by Figueroa. He had been throwing, shooting this little left uppercut on the inside. Figueroa fights out of both stances, but was mainly a southpaw in the fight. And uh, was throwing this uh, little uppercut to the body. And um, at the finishing shot, I remember Neary was kind of coming with his own right hook. Mm-hmm. And he kind of got him right underneath. And whenever you throw a shot, it was a shot. It's funny. It was a shot that Figueroa had landed over the course of the fight. I had noticed it land a couple of times, but it hadn't gotten the same effect. But this time, when you get hit, when you're just as you're throwing your own punch, and you get hit right as you're exhaling, you know, it's a boxer, you exhale as you throw. When you take that body shot right at that instant, man, uh, and I I felt the pain for Neary, especially that uh, the fight had been intense to to that point. So your conditioning is a little bit down now. You know, your 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 stamina is a little bit worn out from the from the intensity of the fight and that body shot. At that exact moment, was not what he needed, and uh, Figueroa was able to end the fight. He's now the WBC champion, and he uh, also has the WBA regular title, which I don't really consider a title. I don't really consider that yeah. possibly to be unified. I mean, I don't understand why they call that a unifier because if you're unifying, you want to have the premier title in your own in your own uh, sanctioning body, you know. And I think there is a, a, a fighter from former Soviet Union. I forget his name. These guys have some complicated names. Who has the main title in the WBA at that weight class? But nonetheless, um, the agreement was that uh, Figueroa and Stephen Fulton would fight in the fall. Stephen Fulton is a WBO champion at that weight class, and he's a really impressive fighter out of Philadelphia, I believe. And I, I, I've seen him fight as well. So Figueroa Fulton could be a really exciting fighter, 122 pounds. So that weight class is getting uh, some getting some exciting possibilities as well. So I just wanted to touch yep. on that. Right. On this day, May 18th, 2002, we have the outrageously brilliant fight. Mickey Ward defeating Arturo Gatti by majority decision. And it was a fight that was immediately going to be called fight of the year. But round nine also got given round of the year. Um, Let's just get straight into it. Paulie, how well do you remember this fight? (laughs) I remember this fight very specifically because Arturo was always my favorite fighter and knowing Mickey, Mickey is one of the good guys in boxing in general. But the funny thing about um, Gotti and Ward is also that it wasn't just the round of the year. It was probably the round of the century. You'll be hard pressed. I said this earlier. When I was was reading over the brief and I was was thinking to myself, yes, it got round of the year, but this might be the best round ever. In boxing. Yeah, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed. Both guys, at some point or another, were 
looking like they were going out. And while yeah. Castillo and, and Corrales, which we went over a couple of episodes ago, also had an amazing round, the yeah. round ended because the fight ended all drastically suddenly. So it, yes. it didn't make for an amazing round. This fight doesn't end this round, but somehow you, ca you can't help but think the entire time as Zero Arturo goes down early. You can't help but think the entire time it's about to end at any specific moment. This thing's about to end at any specific in his, moment. in his eyes. When he, a body shot after a grueling fight like this, round nine, and he yeah. gets up, he's so brave. He's just, just he doesn't care about his head. He's just protecting the, the body. It is yeah, outrageous. Just, just the fact that he gets up is, is amazing. It shows tremendous desire and yeah. tremendous guts because let me tell you something about getting hit with the body shot that late in the fight. First of all, you're tired as I went into it with the with the Louis Neary explanation over, mm -hmm. over the past weekend. But second of all, you get up, you are now worn down. You know you're only going to yeah. get up to take a more of a beating. So you've got to be brave, yeah. not just to get up, but you've got to be brave to get up and face the beating you're about to catch because that body shot is going to stay with you, you know? Yeah. And Arturo ends up taking a, a good amount of punishment before... Yeah. Turning it around, I don't know, baby. Like, like, for like a like a minute later, he takes a good beating it's, for about a minute, I, I and then all of a sudden, I honestly can't believe this this round actually happened, and that they yeah, managed well, you know to what? not. They did three more rounds, <laughs> and then they did two more fights. Credit to Frank Cappuccino, first of all. Frank Cappuccino, who I think was probably a little past his best. He's rest in peace to Frank Cappuccino. He's passed away now. The referee probably passed his best at this point. I don't think he was sharp enough to even <laughs> be able to stop the fight. He was just kind of just watching it. And he, he never looked like he was going to step in at any point. <laughs> Frank Cappuccino was, is an old yeah, school ref I mean, in, an old, in every old school way. I mean, Arturo started throwing low blows. In 2021, I'm not sure this fight even gets this far. I'm but telling you, Dan I'm, Dan, I'm telling you, even back then, a lot of fights don't go that far. I'm telling you, it was specifically Frank Cappuccino. Maybe Steve Smoger would have let it continue. Most guys would not have let it continue. But I love how Frank, how cool, cool calm, and collective Frank Cappuccino is. As if as if two guys are not literally killing each other right in front of you. He's <laughs> <laughs> just cool, calm, and collected. And he's just watching yeah. the fight. I mean, what a, what a referee. This A throwback in every way. Throwback fighters. You know what? I can't even remember him telling them to break. The whole fight. <laughs> no, no, no. He was a spectator. He may as well paid for his ticket. No. And and not only that, Arturo this round threw so many low blows <laughs> when he was trying to survive it. When he's coming back, he throws shots oh, to the leg, the hips. He earned his money there. Yeah. He earned his money oh, he right there. there. There you go. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, you, just when you think Arturo's going to turn it around and he might stop Mickey, suddenly... At the end of the round, I remember Mickey turns it back around again and yep. almost stops Arturo. So you constantly, your your emotions are this fight's gonna be over. This fight's gonna be over. But you constantly surprise at who it might end in favor of in that yep. moment because it was constantly he, he's about to knock him out. No, now now he's about to get knocked out. Yep. No, wait, now he's about to knock him out again. It was just a crazy, crazy round. And then I remember the, at the beginning of the next round. Uh, Mickey thinking he won the fight and he gets up out of his corner with his hands up like he won the fight and Arturo comes out of his corner Cappuccino's like no it's not over it's not over Arturo comes out of his corner and they have a touch gloves to start the next round and Arturo's kind of nodding at Mickey like yeah what'd you think I'm done I'm not done you know, he's kind of saying that like he comes Little out like touch gloves like no no yeah, I'm still here Mickey didn't know he had to do another 25 rounds of Arturo at that point yeah. but oh. it is an outrageous fight probably the fight if, if you are um, trying to bring a casual into the sport. If you want them to see an action-packed fight, 
and you don't have much time, show them round yeah, nine. But then here's the problem. Here's the problem with bringing a casual in with that fight. It's like a hit of crack. Like you, yeah. your first hit is never the same again. <laughs> like you, you're never, gonna, you're never gonna get that. You're never gonna get that hit again. You know, like if you spoil, if you spoil a casual with that, with that fight. They're going to think they're going to see like that every time. And they're always going to be searching and searching and searching for, 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 the next, for the next big high of a, of a big fight like this, of a major, of an exciting fight like this. Well, that's what we're all it. doing. You're never going to get it. It's what we're all doing. We're, we're all waiting for anything that can excite us like that ever again. Um, <laughs> it, it, what was the hardest round of your fight? Are you able to, to kind of remember um, and know that there's a definite one? Um, I remember... Um, I remember, I'll tell you what, it, it always goes back to the Kodo fight, I guess, because there was a lot of different emotions going through me for that fight. But um, I remember the Kodo fight in round seven. Um, I remember uh, I, I, I was given none of the rounds of the first four rounds, but I really mm -hmm. believed I won the third round uh, after being knocked down in the second round. But the judges were still following through from round two, and none of them yeah. gave me the round three. I really believe I won round three in that fight. But I remember... I think losing round four and then in five and six coming back and winning five and six. And I remember I was having a pretty good seventh round as well. And suddenly Cordo hits me with a body shot. And it wasn't even a body shot that looked that bad. He kind of sliced me across. Like he oh, kind of yeah, missed but it. But those slicing body shots sometimes get you worse. Yeah. And he kind of sliced me across. Like a, like almost raped me like a knife, you know? Yeah. And it slid across. And it didn't look like anything. But all of a sudden I was like, like oh, man, it yeah. didn't feel good, you know? And all of a sudden now I'm trying to like keep myself together and try not to show that I'm hurt because first of all this guy hits too hard and, and, and second of all if, if I show him that I'm hurt he's going to just assault me and I, I was kind of trying not to hide it, and then suddenly I realized he realized because he started throwing combinations like oh, bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and I'm trying to roll with it and trying to stay because I can't even move. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> just getting out of that round was a hard one, man. Because, and it really was terrible for me because I felt like I was getting the momentum back. Uh, uh, I felt like five and six were good rounds for me. So seven, he got it back because of that. And it's funny, I think I think I had a good eight and nine as well before finally succumbing in the, in the later rounds, you know? So so that seventh round, I could have really done without taking that body shot. Who knows? Maybe I would have kept the momentum, but <laughs> all's well that ends well, I guess. Also, this week, we had May 22nd, 1993, Roy Jones Jr. defeats Bernard Hopkins in a, uh, in a a fight that everybody was anticipating because that was kind of a, a rivalry that didn't even end there. They ended up fighting again. It was a, a, a crazy, the sh the crazy shame, fight. The shame, the shame about the first fight is that I don't think people realize how special both guys were going to be. You know, this was an IBF uh, vac for the for the vacant IBF title, I remember. And um, I remember Roy was, Roy was the ex-Olympian, the silver medalist, the one who'd been robbed of a gold medal. And Hopkins was kind of like the grunge guy who like, worked his way up the rankings the old yeah. school way, coming out of jail and mm -hmm. you no know, amateur career. And so it was supposed to be, you know, Roy, Roy's crowning achievement, the, ex the U.S. Olympian getting a, a world championship. But Hopkins wasn't a guy that was still too known yet. As a matter of fact, if people remember, I mean, people who are old enough, you're gonna make me, you're gonna date. I'm gonna date myself now. But if you're old enough to remember, this fight wasn't even the main event. I remember it was on the undercard of Riddick Bull versus Jesse Ferguson. So oh. this fight was the co-main event, and um, I remember it, it. It was anticipated, but it was more so anticipated because of Roy being finally crowned. He was a super, super talent, and uh, had, he had kind of come up the ladder slowly as an Olympian, where usually you see Olympians getting title shots faster, and. Um, he beat Hopkins, but Hopkins showed a good, very, very good display, you know, yeah. and eventually because of this, Hopkins was able to stick around in the rankings, and when Roy moved up to 168 pounds, it was Hopkins who went 
back to uh, fight for that IBF, vacant IBF title, and eventually reclaim it and, and make 20 defenses of it, you know? And uh, he had set that record that I think still stands today. Uh, or maybe Golovkin tied it, I don't know. But it was uh, it was, it was a, a, a big, big record nonetheless. But, yeah, I remember this fight. It was at RFK Stadium where the Washington Redskins play football. Um, and, and Riddick Bowe was the main event with Jesse Ferguson where he knocked out Jesse Ferguson. And I remember um, Jim Lampley saying the piece of Jesse Ferguson's nose landed like on his desk or something. <laughs> it's from the uppercut Bowe hit Ferguson with, you know. So, so Riddick, was, Riddick was mean in there, man. What a good fighter he was. If you see, if anybody meets him now, I've met Riddick now. He's like a big, big teddy bear. You just want to hug him, you know, because he is a little bit damaged from boxing, unfortunately. But he's the kind of guy you just want to give him a big hug. But, man, back then... The last thing you wanted to do was be in the ring with Riddick Bowe. <laughs> or any of them. Or Bernard Hopkins, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. uh, he probably or, has one of the yeah. most fascinating stories. Uh, I'm sure yeah. he lost his first fight, didn't he? He, had, he, he obviously he lost his pro debut. Yeah. Very, very rare. Lost his pro debut and then uh, came back. And, and, and really, it's, 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 it's a specific story because he lost his pro debut and nobody thought anything of it. Because it's not like he lost his pro debut and people were thinking, oh, well, this guy was going to be a star. Because I remember like a year ago or so ago, two years ago, Rebasi Ramirez, the Cuban defector, a uh, really good prospect with top rank, lost his pro debut as well. And that was a big deal because Rebasi Ramirez was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And he's since won a bunch of fights in a row. I think he's still going to pan out in the end. But it was a big, big disappointment. I think when the thing about what Hopkins winning a world championship after losing a debut is nobody thought anything of it. Nobody, nobody thought like, okay, so this guy lost his debut. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody cared. Yeah. And so he had to kind of get back on the horse himself with nobody caring anyway. Nobody even talking about the fact that he'd even lost his pro debut. Nobody knowing it. And kind of just start getting on his own streak. And he did just that. And he worked his way up all the way to that uh, you know, heavyweight championship co-main event uh, for the middleweight world title against Roy Jones Jr. You know, And eventually got to much, much higher, bigger heights. I mean, I was at the fight where he knocked out Felix Trinidad in the garden. What an atmosphere. I mean, this yeah. guy had ice in his veins. I mean, this guy, when you come from the background Bernard Hopkins comes from, nothing really affects you. You know, and the, the, the emotionlessness. I was nervous for him when he was walking out into Madison Square Garden against Trinidad, I remember. I was nervous for him. And the emotionlessness he showed. And then to go and execute so perfectly. They don't make him like that. Very, very rarely do they make him like that. I'm not, I want to yeah, be the kind of guy that says they don't make him like that anymore. But very, very rarely do they ever make them like that in any generation. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's a, a man who's obviously just... When you learn to box in jail, you're, you're going to... That is... Yeah. It says it all. I don't need to say anymore. Uh, he was obviously nicknamed the executioner. Is that perhaps the, the most... The, the most... I don't know. I, I'm trying to look for a word here. Is it the most mostest? <laughs> I mean, he did nickname. ruin a lot of careers. I mean, a lot he of guys... He ruined so happens. many... Yeah, a lot I mean, of guys I mean, weren't the is, same. Is, is there Hopkins a better one? Is it the best? Is it the best nickname? I mean, because he, 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 when you consider that what he was, he was a he kind of was a career executioner. So in, the, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the the nickname stuck with him, and he played the he played it so well. You know, he used to come into the ring with the the guys with the masks on, his own yeah. mask on. So he really knew how to play it up very well. I remember another story that he told when he left uh, the penitentiary the day he was released, and the warden said. You'll be back. I'll see you later. And, and, and you know, because a lot of guys do return, you know. Yeah. And Hopkins said, I'm never coming back. I'll make sure of that. And he sh I, I always wonder when people think of things like that and say things like that, I wonder what they think when they see that person. You know, like, yeah. you know you saw. What was your reaction when you saw Bernard Hopkins on your TV screen? You know, like, what was your reaction to see? Not to, Now, if you're still, if he's still alive now, to see entrepreneur Bernard Hopkins. Not just world yeah. champion Hall of Famer on Bernard Hopkins, but yeah. entrepreneur Bernard Hopkins. What are you thinking? 
Are you proud or are you? Because that's a real spiteful, stupid thing to say. I doubt. Leaves, I doubt you know? he's proud. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, like, like yeah. you're supposed to be proud of guys who change their life around. But when you're saying yeah. stupid things like that, you know, it, it's you're, you're rooting against people. For me, it's yeah. it's, it's it's cowardly. You know. But uh, I, I always think the best the best revenge is success, and Bernard's a great example of that. Where did the name Magic Man come from? The nickname Magic Man came from came from that uh, I was uh, trying to look for a nickname because everybody had a nickname. So I used to ask my manager, my trainer, like, well, "What am I? What am I gonna do with a nickname? Well, my last name Malinaji is kind of difficult, you know." Like, and I remember uh, one one press conference for um, early in my career it was like for my third or fourth pro fight, and we were doing a nine eleven fund. Uh, basically, the show was gonna be a fundraiser for nine eleven because it was a couple yeah. months after nine eleven had happened. Nine yeah. eleven happened the year I turned pro. So it was in November, and 9-11 happened a couple months before. So we had a press conference to kind of announce this fundraising show, and it was a big deal. It was going to be on ESPN here in the States, and I was on the undercard. And when uh, my promoter, Blue DeBella, announced me at the press conference, he didn't even check this with me, mind you. He didn't check this with me at all. He just says, you know, he's one of my main prospects that I've signed. You're going to hear a lot about him in the future. All the, all the right things that you're supposed to say for a prospect you signed. Yeah. And then he says, I'll introduce you to Paulie the Magic Man Malinaji. And I was like... I guess that's my name. <laughs> so so, so he, kind of gave, he kind of gave it to me. And then what's funny is there was a real famous uh, newspaper writer in New York named Vic Ziegel. He, was a, uh, he passed away now, but he was a very big uh, newspaper sports columnist. He used to write about horse racing, all kinds of – when there was a big story, Vic would get the story. And he was doing this story because of the card was benefiting 9-11. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have been covering it all the time. You know? But he used to cover boxing here and there when it was very important. And afterwards, he got a kind of got a – Kind of got a kick out of my charisma, my my you know, because I'm a talker and uh, on the podium. So, so he wanted to talk to me a little bit. And he had, I sat down with him a couple of minutes. And at the time, I used to talk a mile a minute. I probably still do. But at that time, I really talked really fast. And everything I said, I used to end with man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. You, you know what I mean, man. Yeah. And everything was man. So the headline the next day made made this stick forever because he put out once Golden Boy because I won the, two, the Golden Gloves two times in the amateurs. Once Golden Boy, now he's magic, comma, man. <laughs> And so, <laughs> with the, so, so he kind of put it together. Magic man, now magic comma man, because I always say man, and that was it. After that, it stuck. <laughs> so it that's stuck. how this that's, the, that's how the nickname stuck. Were there any ones that that you that you had and considered, but everyone was just like, Mm-mm, nope, not that. You know, I hadn't. Re- I, we we tried a few different ones. We were gonna go with the one in one in a million Sicilian. <laughs> that is no. You can't get that out. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one in a million Sicilian. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we were gonna we were thinking about that one, but then when Lou came up with that one, and then I got the headline with Big Ziegle, it was like, okay, you know, this it's is done. gonna stick. It's a done deal. It. Also in the news, it has finally been announced. There is apparently a site fee of a massive 155 million dollars. It is Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. Is this the biggest fight in British boxing history? This was the biggest fight in history. I mean, uh, uh, as far as finances are concerned, you know, yeah. uh, as far as the British boxing for, the, for, for the boxing itself, I think it is. Yes, I think it is. I mean, you had Lewis and Bruno. I think that was in a stadium in Cardiff, right? Uh, but but yeah. this is this is uh, this is for all the marbles. This is for the undisputed title. I, I think Lennox and Bruno was maybe for the WBC title. I'm not sure, but this is for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. Um, I guess you got to go where the money is, but this would have been amazing in England. This would have been amazing in England. You know, I heard it, rumors it, it, that Wembley made a late bid, but 
Yeah, you uh, can't outbid you know? the Saudis. That's the, that's the only. That's the only disappointment. You know, not not that not that it shouldn't be in in Saudi Arabia. You know, they're paying up, putting up all the money and they're probably going to put on an amazing event. It's just, it's Brit versus Brit. If you do it in Britain, I mean, coming from a guy who's not from Britain, who has seen the British atmospheres of big fights. Yeah. I cannot even imagine what this atmosphere would be if this fight was in Britain. It would be yeah. one for the ages. It would be something out of a out of a movie. I still think it's going to be amazing. I I can't under I can't un, I can't downplay this event. But if this had been in, if this was to be in England, I I, I mean it's going to be like a like a dream that never happens. You know, <laughs> to have this fight in England. Well, you, you never know. know. It's, a, it's a two fight deal. You never know. They could it could come home for the second fight. Yeah. Yeah, but as long as the first fight is a good fight, though, you know, if, if yeah. the first fight is a dud, the second fight being in England doesn't really matter because the the electricity of it is out. You know, that first fight electricity, you know, when you just don't have a clue what's going on. Yes. You know, you just yeah. all you have yeah. is predictions. You don't, you have nothing else to go by. You know, it, that's uh, that's gonna be something. I think it's still gonna be amazing, I, and I it's, look it's forward to it. It's gonna be big. It. It's gonna be big. Mm-hmm. Obviously, boxing is as much a business as it is a sport and a spectacle. So let's have a look at the top five gruesome fights of all time. At number five, we have Mike Tyson versus Vander Holyfield. That was huge. I, I was very young, and I remember knowing this was huge. Um, at number four, we have Mike Tyson against Lennox Lewis. That was also massive. Uh, and then you probably won't be too surprised to know that the, the top three all involve Floyd Mayweather. Number three is is uh, Floyd Mayweather against Oscar De La Hoya, which grossed 136 million. Floyd Mayweather against Canelo. Uh, that that was at number two of $150 million. And then Mayweather Pacquiao was for $300 million. I'm not sure if the if the Conor McGregor fight would fit in here somewhere. I'm not sure if this list is, how, how updated this list is. But it seems like Floyd Mayweather is just the money man at, in boxing. And, and Mike Tyson was yeah, right before and, him. And I, and I also think that I, I think the McGregor fight is probably is in the, those top five. And just not everybody wants to consider McGregor the boxer, so maybe they didn't <laughs> include him. But but the fight was a boxing match. I think it yeah. should be included. Uh, having said that, I, I you also have to keep in mind inflation. So this record will continue to be broken because exactly. prices go higher and higher for ticket sales and pay per view buy uh, pay per view yep. um, amounts that you pay. So when you talk about grossing. Yeah. These records are, will constantly be broken because inflation will raise the price of pay-per-views, both pay-per-views and tickets, ticket prices. Yeah. So you will yeah. never be able to go back uh, a ways and say, oh, this was the highest grossing pay-per-view. So it, it's different. Yeah, I think you have to test these things a little bit differently. In terms of magnitude, I, I hate to to validate magnitude of a fight by, by the amount of gross because I, I think inflation you know, gives the advantage to the more modern fighters, right? Of because course. you think about the thrill of Manila was probably unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it was probably unbelievable. You know, the the, the fight itself with uh, the, the uh, Ali Frazier won, probably unbelievable, the expectation of it. Everybody mm-hmm. who was around at that time has told me the expectation was something you cannot even put into words. So we have the modern day, and they're all the records, obviously, but I think in 20 years, those will be, continue to be broken because course, inflation yeah. will continue to rise, right? So, so having said that... Uh, I'd be surprised if Fury and Joshua doesn't break that record. But naturally, naturally, uh, Mayweather is the money man of this generation, and that's why he changed his name from Pretty Boy to Money. <laughs> do, do you th- I, I would be, I would be surprised. I'll be, happy, I'll be very surprised if that manages to beat the Mayweather-Pacquiao record. That that fight, I don't even know where they got three hundred million dollars from. It's just, as in the nearest fight to it is half of it. Yeah, huh? 
Crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it they, is they, crazy. And, oh, and, and, and to think that justifies the wait for that fight. That's crazy. That's the shame of it because that will yeah. only make people say, see, that's why you got to wait. Meantime, yeah. because you waited, you didn't have as exciting of a fight as you would have because yeah. you waited. Yeah. You know, guys, guys are doing a dance. They're doing a tango when they're that age. They're, not, they're trying to get out of there with their money intact and their health intact. While when they're younger, the health is the last thing on their mind. They want greatness, and they're, they're fighters through and through, you know? That's why you need those kind of fights when they're younger. Right, this weekend we have a very big fight coming up. We have Josh Taylor against Jose Ramirez. Paulie, I'm going to give you three minutes. Uh, we tried to give him one a couple of weeks ago. Doesn't really work. We're going to give you three Break down this fight. What what are you expecting from both men? It's obviously a huge fight. It's, a, it's to unify the division. Who wins? Why? Yeah. Who has to do what? I mean, this is a really a tough one to pick. So it, whatever my prediction winds up being, don't uh, don't go. I wouldn't tell you to go to your bookie and bet it, okay? Yeah. Because this is uh, this is one of those fights where I think uh, both guys can win. Now that doesn't also that also doesn't mean go bet the underdog just because it's a it's a toss up fight in my mind. Don't, yeah. I don't want to be responsible for anybody losing many money on this fight. This is but not financial advice. <laughs> Yeah, this is not financial advice. It's just strictly fun predictions. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna edge a little bit towards Josh Taylor, but uh, uh, um, Ramirez's intensity has been really uh, uh, of another level, and 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 both guys have really shown a different level against world class opposition. You know, we've seen we've seen Ramirez take on some world class guys, and you know, go through the motions of a of a tough fight, but then you know, really supersede and outclass you know yeah. and uh and um josh taylor as well really the the, the impressive victories over uh pro gray even baranchik yeah. I mean, who was who was not that easy to deal with he's throwing everything yeah. at, at with with a ton of weight behind it you know and yeah. and to be able to get that win that's uh that's another that's another uh impressive win frame so both of these guys are not only battle tested these are championship level fighters and they're all and battle tested so I'm gonna go with Taylor a little bit. I, I I like his boxing ability a little more, but you can't underestimate Ramirez's boxing ability because you know this was uh, I believe this was he Ramirez was an Olympian, right? I mean, I yeah, believe Ramirez was, yeah. is an ex Olympian as well. So it's a, it's really really a a, a lot of a lot of uh, what separates them in every category is really I mean millimetrical. You know, it, yeah. it's it's really close. So at the end of the day, I'm gonna slightly go with Taylor, but. Um, if Ramirez wins, I'm, I wouldn't absolutely be shocked. What I will tell you is this is a fight you want to watch because both guys engage as well as being high-skilled. You know, So yeah. sometimes the guys are high-skilled. They're not really that, that engaging in, in the ring. I think these guys have styles that are not only world-class skill-wise but also have very engaging styles that really make you want to sit down and watch them. And when you put them together, you will have a, a, an ultra, ultra – talented fight a skilled fight and um some good violence in it as well which is you know what boxing fans want to see so and fight fans in general want to see so so uh, that'll be that's my breakdown i don't know if that was over a minute but that's my breakdown <laughs> we gave you three you've probably gone over that anyway uh, it, it's 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 gonna be a fascinating fight definitely it's a, it's a fight that should have a little bit of everything no, regardless of what you like it should have uh, enough movement and skill it should have enough action and violence it is, it, and it should be even enough for it to go back and forth. Uh, also in the news, Javante Davis is saying that he wants to stay at 140 after after potentially beating Barrios. Uh, he's obviously jumping up two weight divisions from his last fight at 130. And he's saying that he only wants to come back down to 135 when it's for one of the big ones. I'm guessing he means Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, uh, and, and Lopez perhaps, and, and maybe a Lomachenko. 
what do you, what do you think? How how would he be able to fare at one forty? Um, I think uh, some of those guys like uh, Lopez and even Haney may end up at one forty relatively soon. Yeah. Um, I think Davis is a little bit undersized for one hundred forty pounds. I think he's I think he's a good fighter, but I think he's undersized. Well, well, I think Haney and uh, Tofima Lopez are more con- their bodies their body frames are more conducive for the mm-hmm. to move up in weight and probably will naturally move up in weight. I think Javante is kind of small. He's he's got a really a good skill set. Uh, when he's on point, Javante is a world class guy. Um, but he cannot afford to be inconsistent as he goes into these dangerous territories the way he's been inconsistent in his career. Um, I think one thing about Javante is he's been more inconsistent than the rest. You know, um, I think uh, and, and, and at the higher weight classes, you can't afford that inconsistency. The Barrios fight is a good fight. I think, you know, Barrios has not been in with anybody of the reputation of Javante Davis. But at the same time. I don't think Javante has been in with that many good fighters himself. You know, you say Pedraza, but Pedraza was clearly weight drained by by the fact that if you look at what Pedraza did afterwards at 135 and how he performed, he was yeah. clearly a weight drained Pedraza at 130. Last he had told us, um, Leo Santa Cruz, big big name, much much smaller than, than than Davis naturally. So so I think Davis has the goods, but he hasn't been in, in with people. That much of that much higher level than Barrios, yeah. uh, and than Barrios, you know, and 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 I think Barrios has been looking for a breakout fight himself. To tell you the truth, you know, he's he's been a, a skilled guy who's come up the ladder. Um, good, good frame for 140 pounds. I remember Barrios also turned pro at about 130, maybe even 126. He was really, really skinny and tall. Yeah. But this is a kid who turned pro young and he filled out, you know, and he's got a great height. Um, I think this is a trickier fight than, you know, people are talking. Like, all I hear about is Javante Davis, the weight class and all this stuff. But, is, you know, is, is, this about is this the fight then, then where we we kind of get to know what Javante Davis really is? Can he close that distance? Can he, can he transfer that, that punch power up at a, at a higher weight? division i think you made a great point then that you made you asked the right question can he close the distance because that's always my my fear here with javante davis uh he's got the fast hands but a la bronner-esque does he have the slow feet as well to where then closing the distance becomes a little bit of a problem against fast-footed guys barrios is a guy who has some maneuverability he's tall he fights at range um and he knows how to fight um, I think it's, if I can really put it in a nutshell, I think it's a fight where we're going to learn about both guys because both guys really have not stepped up a lot. I mean, Javante has a lot more promotability behind him, the way he's been promoted and marketed. But in reality, has he stepped up that much higher than Barrios? I don't think so in, in yeah. terms of opposition. So I think this is a fight where we can learn a lot about both. Um, and um, and that can uh, that can help us you know, kind of gauge them for the future. I think, But I think they're both guys who could have possibly good futures, you know? Yeah. I just think Javante has to stop going up and weight so much. He's not, he doesn't have the frame for these bigger weight classes. And I think well, Javante's We know future, he struggles sometimes with making weight. Is, but, is, do you reckon but, this is it, a, a side is, way around that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Is it struggle because of his lifestyle? I mean, he's... he's the guy's like four feet tall. You know, I don't want to. You can't... You gotta, you gotta... He's got you a gotta, big neck, got, though. He's a big enough boy. I know, I hear you. I hear you, but he's, he's got to... We'll see. If he can... If he can Carry up power, skill set, uh, and put it together 140 pounds, then you know what? He'll be all right. But I prefer to see him make a better name for himself at the lower weight classes first. Yeah. You know, um, there was a lot, there's a lot more he can do 
But nonetheless, I, uh, I think the promotability, promotability stays with him. He just has to get the results. And I think yeah. the more he goes up in weight, the more he risks those results. And therefore, once you start getting beat, you, the, your promotability starts to diminish. N- not because of what I say, but because of the way boxing treats you once you start getting beat, you know? Yeah. And the way the media treats you and the way the fans treat you, you know? So uh, they're, quick, they're quick to write you off as a coulda, shoulda, woulda. They're quick, you know? Yeah. So, so um, you know... I think Davis can avoid that by, you know, fighting at the proper weight class. But I think Barrios is another guy who has shown some promise. And, and because he's fighting Javante Davis, not enough people are talking about him right now because they're all, all the attention is on, is on Davis. But I really think this is the kind of fight that shows us a little bit about both fighters. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a fight that we're going to learn a lot about both fighters. Uh, but anyway, that is it for today. If you've got any questions, please leave them in the comments below. Like, comment, subscribe, all of that. And we will be back next week.